from the Auto Line Studios. Here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week, where the topic today is going to be about light weighting. How do you make vehicles lighter so that you get their emissions down and their fuel economy up? And I've got three experts to talk about that today, including Chuck Evan, the senior vice president and general manager of the supplier company Hankel, which makes all kinds of adhesives. Yeah, adhesives play a role in making cars lighter. We're going to get into just how. Nizar Trigi is the CTO, the chief technology officer with Dura, and Dick Schultz is the managing director of Ducker Worldwide. I want to thank all three of you for having come on today. A pleasure. And I'll start out by asking, where do we stand right now, Chuck, in terms of light weighting? Do you think the industry is where it should be, behind, or ahead? It's, it's uh, honestly probably one of the most exciting times I've ever had in this industry. Uh, the amount of change, not only in substrate selection and in methods of joining, but the way OEMs and suppliers interact. For, for light weighting to be successful, the, the whole industry is engaged way further in the design of the, of the vehicle. And that has opened up more avenues for the development of technology than ever before. Uh, because we're not waiting, you know, a year and a half before SOP. It's now three and a half and four years before SOP. And then you can, you can really buy into the, uh, you know, the uh, creative juices of the whole industry, not just what's uh, been specified for the last 10 or 15 years. So it's a pretty exciting time. And I'll add, just for those who don't know the acronym, SOP is start of production. So what you're saying is you're getting involved way before the first car rolls down the line. Way before the first car rolls around. Right. And, uh, and even before, you know, you've got a design for you. So the, actually, you're affecting what the design will be based on what the technology that may be available. Nizar, you're with Dura. You make all different kinds of parts. What are the automakers telling you guys in terms of light weighting? That's uh, exactly uh, what you heard earlier. Actually, now, I think the entire industry is going through an inflection point. Uh, it's changing completely from maybe a very conservative industry to an industry maybe driven somewhat by regulation to very innovative uh, new material, new technology coming in very quickly. And the level of interaction, supplier OEM, uh, that relationship is changing more to partners uh, partnerships, early development, even at the research stages, we have uh, example of a project that we're working on that way uh, ahead of even platform uh, development. So, is that a change? Are, are automakers bringing you earlier into the development process? Certainly, I think there is even a hunger from the OEMs to for the participation of their uh, partner in uh, the tier one, just because there's a lot of know-how also. Uh, uh, within the tier one, especially the global tier one that have been in Europe and have been especially on light weighting, have been doing this for many years. Now that all that know-how is being brought back to the U.S., so the interaction, especially with the U.S. Uh, OE, uh, uh, OEMs, is changing quite a bit, hmm. which is very positive. Yeah, it very much is. Yeah. Dick Schultz, you stand back, you look at all the car companies, all the suppliers. What do you see happening now in terms of light weighting? What we see is that uh, light weighting has taken on a life of its own. In many ways, uh, the engineers have been challenged. Uh, a lot of people said we can't do this, it would be impossible, but they are doing it. Uh, we need to take an average of about 400 pounds per vehicle out of the average vehicle between now and 2025. And that means the curb weight has to change, not just part weight reductions. We have to find ways to translate that into curb weight reduction if we're going to save fuel and, and reduce CO2 emissions. So that's the real challenge, the content battle, 
Do we just keep adding more and more good things for the consumer? Or do we let this trickle down and, and take some weight out of the car at the curb weight to, to improve performance and emissions? And, and um, this is something that I think the industry is welcomed, has welcomed much more than I would have thought. And they are getting all of us involved. That makes our job easier because we're tracking all this and we're getting to peak under the tent three and four years in advance as well. So some people say, how do you know this is coming? We say, well, the OEMs are sharing this up front because they need to make sure they have sources of supply for all these new materials and new technologies, and they can't wait to the last minute. Plus, they need ideas. I mean, if right. you guys get involved early, you can say, hey, do this, do that, the other thing, and we right. can really help Here's you rather than get the, the design already baked and there's yeah. not as much innovation you can bring. Mm -hmm. in, in reality, also, I think uh, you mentioned a good point that Customers are asking for more features. So there are more safety regulated features as well as customers want more technology and more feature in the vehicle. Right. And that cascades unfortunately to weight. So not only we have to offset that weight, but we have to really continue to improve every aspect of the vehicle. A lot of companies now have this uh, thing called the Gram strategy where every item is going through a much thorough. Uh, weight is no longer an outcome. Weight is a design, weight mm -hmm. is a process and weight is technology. And uh, you see that in every aspect of, uh, I think it's uh, in every aspect of uh, engineering new products. Every vehicle and every component has a cost target and a weight target. And they balance that continually throughout the process to, de to get the optimum. Exactly, and the other paradigm shift that's happening right now is, is the move towards global platforms. Yeah. Uh, so right. not only do suppliers have to be engaged early because of a technology uh, driver, but because of the globalization, these global platforms, we have to be involved much sooner to see if we've got the scale and the breath to go ahead right. and supply this uh, and, and, and hit launch on target, on time, on weight, on cost. Right. Chuck, I told the audience we'd explain how adhesives can make cars lighter. Explain that, because intuitively, a lot of people wouldn't make the connection. Well, there's, you know, it, it's not just about making cars lighter. It's about making cars stronger. So imagine you've got a bond line, you're bonding um, you know, a hood to a frame, and the classical method would be every so often you would put a weld or a rivet of some sort. That has mass, that's steel, that has mass, that weighs something. Replace that with a thermoplastic or thermoset material that weighs one-tenth of what those rivets would be. But the bond line is continuous. So now you've got a barrier between the two pieces of metal that prevents corrosion. You've got a, a, a linear constant um, load line that, that's making the whole structure stronger, the whole structure is lighter, and also more cost effective. So it's not just about light weighting, it's about improving a lot of other facets of the, uh, the design also. Also, isn't it too that as we see automakers get into aluminum, if you put aluminum and steel together, you get what they call galvanic corrosion. Right. It'll start to rust apart, so you're able to put a layer in between those two. Yeah, there's, there's two things about using aluminum. Aluminum, uh, obviously, is, is a lighter substrate, but it's also more corrosive, and so you've got to treat it differently, and we do. So, you know, we also have to treat the metal, whether it's steel or aluminum, and, and we've got technology, fortunately, that can do that. Mm -hmm. So we, we treat the aluminum, and then you have to join the two dissimilar materials. And whether it's aluminum, or it's composite, or it's magnesium, or it's lightweight steel, or it's traditional steel, imagine having to bond all five different substrates. Okay, what can do that? An adhesive can. You can't weld them together. You can't weld them together. You can't even rivet them together. So. And actually, to add to that, I think the future is mixed material. 
So yes. even when we talk aluminum, we're really not talking, it's not a single no. uh, material. In no, general, no. it's multiple material that uh, might have slightly different properties. And bonding uh, is the way forward to try to get these right. materials together. And well, that that's how the F-150s put together. Exactly. It's got adhesive, it's got 4,000 self-piercing rivets. rivets. I sometimes think the rivets are there just to hold it till the adhesive cures. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure of that, but I think that's a part of it. Um, and you have to put special coatings on so that the adhesive performs even better. But what that gives you in your body structure, it gives you torsional rigidity. Whether you, whether you bond a steel vehicle, steel parts together, or aluminum parts, that torsional rigidity is what the consumer feels when they drive around the corner and it feels like you're on tracks. Mm -hmm. A lot of consumers, most of my family, think that that's weight. This car feels heavy. It's not weight, it's torsional rigidity. The bodies are so stiff, it, and a lot of it's to do with the adhesive and the continuous joint, that you really do have a different feel when you drive these cars if they have a lot of adhesive bonding in the vehicle, mm -hmm. particularly the body structure. Yep. Yep. Nizar, uh, in the past, where we've seen automakers really under the gun to reduce weight, they've gone and told suppliers, hey, if you can pull out a, a pound or a kilogram, we'll pay extra money for it. Is that happening in this go around? Actually, that is. Actually, they recognize, uh, all the OEM recognize that there is a cost to this. And indeed, there is a cost when you change to more exotic material. However, in my mind, uh, there is a cost to everything, uh, innovative things. So as long as we continue to show value at everything we do, and with a lot of OEM, we have established that line of what is good value, Mm -hmm. and what's, uh, what's an, uh, an acceptable and affordable. Mm -hmm. But that line has been established, and a lot of us in the uh, Tier 1 business, that's basically what we're trying to work to and improve on. At uh, Ducker, oh, I'm sorry. At Ducker <laughs> we've been tracking uh, this cost-weight balance for 20 years. Right. And what we find is, what are OEMs willing to spend to save a cost, let's say one pound or one kilogram? And in terms of pounds, that used to be 20 cents, 30 cents a pound saved. Then it went to a dollar. Now, well, Corvette was a special situation. That's $10 per pound of weight saved. But now they've moved up to where $2 is a reasonable number in terms of what am I, if I want to save 500 pounds, I'm willing to spend $1,000. That's true. And, and we should add for the audience's benefit too, this is an industry that examines every Pennies, single every, penny. Every, so when you say they're going to pay $2 more per pound, that's a huge number. No, not per pound of the material, but per pound saved. Okay. Yeah. So that's per pound saved. But let's be, but, uh, they're not writing us a check. No. no, 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 no. <clears throat> so what we're, what we're allowed to do is launch new technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and gain acceptance of it because of the weight, weight savings. It's not, uh, right. there's not a bounty on weight. There's, uh, there's a, you know, a, a, um, a level of um, barrier removed um, because of the weight savings. But they recognize the value, and this is, I think this is how it came about. So the regulation, so there's customer asking for more environmentally friendly products globally, and this is not just the United States. Mm -hmm. The customer awareness to this subject has uh, probably the United States maybe lags, but in Europe has been there for many, many years. Japan was earlier, and I think the U.S. and China are coming closely. Uh, when you have that demand, and then the global regulation driving all the OEMs to make drastic improvement into, uh, in terms of uh, their uh, environmental fruit, footprint, and we're talking very substantial improvement year over year, so we're talking 4% year over year, uh, and this is, as I mentioned, globally, so it's not in a single region. And you start looking, what are the ways 
to improve on, uh, on the fuel economy. Uh, you'll find that anything that they can do in terms of uh, hybridization, in terms of uh, downsizing uh, powertrain, etc., weight is a big part of everything they do. So uh, these numbers, the value number, came from uh, lots of studies that looked at what's the best way or the best path to get to that uh, state and what's the lowest investment or the lowest, uh, lowest uh, uh, impact to the customer? And I think weight has to be and will continue to be the center uh, of the strategy because it gives you almost a, a virtuous circle. Yeah. Once you reduce weight, you get more opportunity to reduce weight. An example we mentioned, for example, for the, uh, uh, the F-150, once the body and cab were changed, now you can, the chassis can improve the brakes uh, were lighter, so a lot of things will come free. So, even though they're willing to pay for improving weight for certain components, there are a lot of things that uh, that comes in as uh, uh, synergies that uh, helps offset that, that cost. Yeah. Some of that well, cost. engine resize. If you save enough exactly. weight, you can go to six cylinders or four Absolutely. cylinders. That saves even more weight, and it saves some cost. Mm -hmm. Not in every case, but in many cases, saves cost to the consumer. So, but you have to save enough. It can't be just a few pounds That's here or there. That weight savings has always bothered me. It needs to be part of an integrated system analysis that gets enough weight out. You can afford to do it because you're going to save money on the other parts because you can make them smaller. Sure. Yeah. And it does cascade. Chuck, it's been uh, very interesting for me watching the expanding use of structural adhesives in cars. Uh, I want to say some of the latest General Motors products, just to name one, are, are like 10 times what the last generation used. Mm -hmm. uh, but I find it interesting, the Japanese automakers don't seem to have embraced it much. I've talked to people at Honda, they're not interested <coughs> in it at all. Although I just got a chance to test drive the new Lexus RC Sport mm. Coupe, and it's using a lot of structural adhesives. Are you seeing this use expand around the world now? You know, it, it, it's almost like the, the, the growth curve of structural adhesives has been very, very you know, flat, until recently, and now it's gaining the acceptance. Just listening, just listening to Dick talk about with excitement about what adhesives can do to the structure of a vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, 30 years ago, steel was stronger than plastic. Case closed. We're not going to go ahead and put, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a thermoset material where steel used to be. It's just, mm -hmm. it's you know, it's uh, anti-culture. Um, and and you've seen some success with um, the use of structural adhesives and the agreement that. The structure is is stronger. It's more unitized. It's 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 accomplishing all these things. And and interestingly, each of the OEMs has their own culture. And some move and are more risk averse. Uh, some have other initiatives within the company, so they're behind the curve on certain developments, and they're ahead of the curve on other developments. So I try not to go ahead and compare one versus the other because you know Honda may be way advanced in another area of their development versus the use of structural adhesives. But I will say everyone will get there eventually, and eventually is going to be in a relatively short period of time because the benefits are too good. Mm -hmm. Dick, you know, we've seen the auto industry make tremendous progress on their goal to meeting CAFE standards. Mm -hmm. But when those standards were set, everybody was sure the price of oil was going to go through the roof. Right. That's not quite happening now. And as you know, there's going to be a what they call a midterm review. In 2017, the EPA and others are going to examine it, do these the regulations. What, what do you think is going to happen? Well, they're going to have everybody bring data. That's what they've told us. Bring your data. We want to see how we're progressing. The early signs are that on conventional powertrains, we're making more progress than anyone would have thought. 
more turbo, turbos, more fuel injection, smaller engines are finding their way to, into the marketplace faster. That's doing great. Weight savings, it depends on what, how much of that they can translate to the curb weight and not just individual part weights. Where we're going to be disappointed, I think, is that the progression of hybrids, PHEVs, and EV vehicles. They're just not being sold at the rates that everyone had hoped. And so when they make that review, I think they're going to come out of it in 2018 in April with the final regulations and say, we want even more emphasis put on conventional powertrains mm -hmm. and more emphasis put on lightweighting, maybe even some incentives to reduce curb weight because they don't only have so many errors in their quiver. Now, we may get surprised in 2022 or 2023, and hybrids are 20% of the market. But right now, it looks like it'll be less than 10%. And if that's true, every other technology we're thinking of here has to almost maximize right. its benefit. And if we do that, I think we'll see the regulations will stay the same. They may change a little bit for car versus truck because of mix. Uh, that mix is probably going to be 50-50, not the 60-40 that's built into the regulations. So there could be some fine-tuning between car and truck. But the final numbers, the 163 grams per mile and the 49.5 miles per gallon for NITS on, on fuel economy, I believe, are sacred. I don't think there's any way those will be changed. You, you see it that way, too? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How about you, Neil? Actually, I think the same. I think politically it will be impossible to change these, mm -hmm. these numbers that were debated and I think very well uh, disseminated to, the, uh, uh, to everybody. I think, however, I believe that the government still or the regulatory bodies still have the opportunity to try to um, get faster access to this technology or deployment of this technology through credit mechanisms. And uh, the, even the regulation, the current regulation, have plenty of opportunity for that. Right. So they can give credit now for uh, lightweighting certain, uh, for lightweighting in general, or for certain components or percentage of components in the vehicle to be in a lightweight material. So I think that's what we'll see a lot more of. Yes. And hopefully the um, midterm will solidify that. And so in other words, we're not going to back off on the end yeah, exactly. goal because politically that's suicide. Exactly. But maybe you throw more credits at credit it. Credit will help you. Right, Basically, right. credits are there as mechanism to help it get to the target. So mm -hmm. with those credits, and in my mind, a lot of them will be around uh, because they're not doing them at the customer side. So it has to be technology within the vehicle. Mm -hmm. If you can get credit mm -hmm. for the technology you're putting in the vehicle, I think that's a way to close that gap because those targets are really very difficult to achieve. And, and some of these credits, they actually terminate in 2022 or exactly. 2021. It'll be easy for them to just extend, extend those it. credits another four years or five years. And they have to get something to the consumer too, ultimately, right. don't you think? The, the government has been chiming. The European have done it differently. They have done it through taxation. So everything has been done through taxation, and you really change the consumer behavior through taxation. Mm -hmm. The United States, that's... Again, that's, uh, that's another think, political that's another yeah. side. Yeah. Right. That's and I don't think anybody's going to go in that direction. But I think the regulatory, yeah. uh, the regulation that we have now have enough flexibility in it to enable the delivery of this. And it's the right thing for the, for the country, for the environment. So uh, I think we'll get there, but probably in a slightly different way with a lot more encouragement yes. through credit. Speaking of credits, Chuck, do you think automakers should get credits for initiating lightweighting programs? Yes and no. I mean, um, I, I think automakers ought to get 
you know, uh, credit for, you know, achieving the end result, maybe being the leader of the industry, achieving the, the end result, um, maybe doing something that's, um, um, you know, quantum, uh, a leap from a technology standpoint, achieving uh, the end result. But I don't know if we want to get all that complicated and giving credits to one and not the but, other. But it would be very hard to manage something like that yeah. because we've looked at that and even establishing bases, mm-hmm. a base, even a base curb weight in many cases. There's so many variations. There's 40 different variations of the F-150. They all weigh a different amount. It, it could become an administrative nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I, I think it needs to be discussed. Maybe somebody can come up with a fair way to do this to just make sure that we take every ounce out we can get out. But we can look at it simply as percent of the content. So you're definitely right. Each yeah. vehicle and a vehicle like an F-150 has so many different derivative and combination. It will be very difficult to establish. But a percent, a percent yes. content mm-hmm. is something that is uh, easy, easy to implement. Mm-hmm. We already have that with lots of with high stress things. The data is available. Uh, and it's very easy to verify, et cetera. So I think there are mechanisms that can be implemented to really encourage, mm-hmm. because it's going to be very difficult to achieve the regulation, as I mentioned. The, the one thing that I like about lightweighting, that uh, the early feedback I'm getting on people who have driven the aluminum Ford F-150 mm-hmm. love the way this thing drives. I mean, mm-hmm. there's uh, when you take 700 pounds out of a vehicle, it performs differently. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It performs a whole lot better. So. I'll start with you, Chuck, on this. Don't you think that the public might warm up to lighter weight vehicles more than maybe on some of the other technologies? Well, I mean, you're targeting, you know, uh, a vehicle that, um, you know, is uh, marketed as tough and strong and big and, you know, and and if it's a thousand pounds lighter and and people like it even more, it's still tough and big and strong. It's just a thousand pounds lighter. Um, You know, there's a lot of other things in technology that go into that vehicle. It's not just that it's a thousand pounds lighter. I mean, the ride is quieter. I mean, there's a lot of acoustic um, technology that's that's put into that vehicle that that people, you know, will never see because it's behind the metal, but they're going to feel it. They're going to notice it. And so that that whole thousand pound tough vehicle is also cushier and rides better and handles better. You know, so you're going to get you're going to get the best of both. Nizar, what do you think? People will react positively to lighter weight vehicles? I'm slightly biased because I was part of the Ford team that made the decision. Uh, so, uh, oh, that's okay, that's okay. So, yeah, we still, I still have blue uh, Ford running through my veins. Uh, so I definitely, I definitely think it's the right thing. And uh, I think Ford definitely deserves credit for taking a very difficult decision. And it's a, as you mentioned, it's a highly innovative on a on a product that is seen as uh, tough, and be able to educate the customer. Which I thought they did a fantastic job educating the customer that weight and toughness are not the same. You can be tough, especially through all the technique and the manufacturing technique we've been talking about, and you still be nimble, fast. And this product will be fantastic. So, but I'm slightly biased. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say slightly. <laughs> Dick, what's your thoughts on this? I, well, I, I think that the in terms of uh, uh, whether or not we should lightweight it to the max or not, it, it's very costly to do that. Every vehicle segment, every OEM is going to have a different strategy on how they achieve mm-hmm. that. One of the interesting things we're seeing is that they, like the F-150, we see other OEMs, which I can't mention, that are working on their higher volume passenger cars. 
used to be you were working on the smaller volume to do all this technology. They're saying, if we're going to put all this engineering effort, and effort into it, we might as well do it on something that gets us a good bang for our buck in terms of our fuel economy right. averages. So why not do it with the higher volume vehicles and let the lower volume vehicles kind of catch up over time? And that seems high, it is high risk. It's, it seems counterintuitive in some ways when you're doing something really Maybe different. they deserve credits. <laughs> no, no, but, but I think that's something that will surprise people is that you're gonna see the higher volume vehicles, whether they be passenger cars, SUVs, or pickup trucks, where they make the, do the most innovative things around materials. Uh, even though, as a financial analyst would say, you're betting the ranch in some of these cases. And the, bo the bottom line, if the bottom line has to show this down the road too. But to be honest with you, actually, we're in all our interaction as a tier one with all the OEM, the number one discussion that we have is weight. Mm -hmm. So clearly, that's the number one uh, yeah. issue that they have, and that's where they want the most help. And I personally think that uh, Especially so Ford went and redone the whole body in white, et cetera, which is uh, a bit expensive in terms of investment, but it made sense given the volume of uh, that vehicle. But I would suggest that a lot of other OEMs are going to do at least closures. All closures will go to lightweight. The doors, the hoods. Exactly. The Fender hood, uh, deck lid. All of mm -hmm. those will migrate to aluminum or lightweight a lot faster. And a lot of that is done outside of the body shop. So you can have that with a uh, tier one supplier that put the investment, uh, bring that into the factory. And we're doing a lot of projects at Dura. We're doing a lot of projects like that, uh, that is uh, related to closure. We do a lot of that with our German OEM, and we're doing a lot more at least well, in the What we see is, is a structure very similar to what BMW, Mercedes do, and that is you have an advanced high-strength steel safety cage. And this is where all the new steels are going to go. The, you know, these are the, the ones the jaws of life can't get rid of or can't get through. And then you'll have lighter weight closures, whether they're aluminum or polymer and aluminum, and maybe even some magnesium door inners. All of that is For sure. on advanced high strength steel safety cages, probably the typical vehicle uh, in 2025. Well, I can't wait to see all that happen. Yeah. This is going to be really exciting to watch these cars get lighter and trucks and everything else. And I want to thank the three of you for having come in today. We're going to have to wrap this up, but Dick Schultz from Ducker Worldwide, Nizar Trigi from Dura, Chuck Evan from Henkel, I want to thank all three of you for coming on and talking all about lightweighting. Thank you. Thank Our you pleasure. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for having tuned in.